It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through right now, it. the COVID-19 vaccine are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. From Amari, Christian, Skyler, Caitlin, Galate, Jordan, Antonio, Eddie, and the Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. We wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Good tidings to you wherever you are. Good tidings for Christmas and a Happy New Year. We wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.
Hey, good morning everybody and welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner and we got a great one in store for this uh, Tuesday edition of the Tom Sumner program. Um, Coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour, we have um, the return of Valerie Tripp. She was on the show back in 2019 when uh, a new Nat Geo Kids series was launched, Izzy Newton and the Smart Squad. And Izzy Newton and the Squad are back with a new book, Newton's Flaw, by uh, Valerie Tripp. And she'll join us uh, coming up during the third half of our three-hour tour. And uh, Newsweek's Deputy Opinion Editor, Batya Unger-Sargon, will be joining me during the second hour of our three-hour tour to talk about her book, Bad News, How Woke Media is Undermining Democracy. But we start out this hour with a debut uh, novelist who lives in uh, Grenoble, France. She's from Spokane, Washington originally, and we'll talk about that. And her debut novel, which is uh, called Cynthia Starts a Band. It's uh, out in paperback uh, as of October 19th, 2021, and we'll talk about her book and a whole bunch bunch more fun stuff with um, Olivia Swindler is her name. And uh, let's see, what else can I... uh, Oh, I know what else I can tell you. Um, We're in mid-December, and all this month, I'm sure we'll be squeezing in some uh, Christmas music during the show today. And as I always say, our Christmas music is better than everybody else's because it's local. So I hope you enjoy hearing some of the area musicians and artists uh, performing some of your Christmas favorites. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My uh, guest this hour is the author of uh, a new book called uh, Cynthia Starts a Band. It's out in paperback uh, as of, uh, I think, October 19th of this year, 2021. And uh, she's originally from Spokane, Washington, but currently lives in Grenoble, France. I think I'm saying that right. Um, Mm -hmm. Her her name is Olivia Swindler, and she joins me by phone. Hi, Olivia. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. How does somebody go from Spokane to Grenoble? Well, (laughs) that's a really good question. Um, I moved here almost five or just over five years ago now for my job. I was a French major at university, and I originally had applied for a job in Belgium, and I was all set to move, and a couple months before I was going to move, they said, you know, that job actually is no longer going to be feasible. Would you like to move to Grenoble? And I said, where? And they said, great. So that's how I ended up here. But it is one of the most beautiful cities in France, and I am I just love living here. T- tell me about the job that you have there. Yeah, so I work um, in communications for a nonprofit called Young Life, which is um, an international um uh, youth uh, nonprofit. It's Christian ministry, and so I've been doing that for about five years. And and uh, you're considered a communication coordinator for Young Life in Europe. Yes. Or? Yeah, which basically means I um, manage anything that could fall under communication. So 
that's I am the communication department for Europe. So it's really fun. I get to do a lot of story writing, um, a little bit of interviewing, video editing, social media. So it's really um, broad, but it's fun. It keeps me on my toes because it really is a lot of different things that I get to be involved with. And this is your first book, Cynthia Starts a Band. Um, it is. And and I want to ask you about that because obviously you've been writing. Um, what what made you decide that now was the time to, to write just a full-blown novel? Well, it really was because um, France gave me a built-in writer's retreat with our lockdown. Um, I was quarantined <laughs> by myself for three months. And I thought, well, what else do you do in the evening except for except for write a book? Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I, I talked to somebody else just recently who completed a book that they'd been thinking about for for years during mm-hmm. the pandemic. And I was commenting on how strange it was that I talked to a number of New York Times bestsellers who mm-hmm. said, you know, I wish I'd used the time. To work, mm-hmm. but I was just caught like a deer in the headlights, you know, like a lot of people, and and was just you know kind of stuck in place and and just didn't uh, didn't manage the time. It's interesting. I think I had somebody tell me right at the start of lockdown. She said, "This is we're grieving a loss. There's a huge loss of the plans that we made, the normal life that we were used to." But at the end of every loss, there's a moment of creativity, and she encouraged me not to miss it. And so she said, you don't really know when that moment is going to strike, but the best thing to do is be prepared. And so I just didn't want to miss it. And so I just sat down for about 30 minutes every single day, and I wrote. And the things I was writing at the start of lockdown were not very pretty. Like, it was not well put together. (laughs) It was nothing publishable. But it it did help because then when that moment of creativity did happen, I already had the habit built in. But if it wouldn't have been for that person telling me and advising me not to miss that moment, I would have probably not published a book. Well, what's interesting about that is um, just that, that idea that you built some time in to write every day, and eventually it started turning into a book. Somebody asked uh, uh, Stephen King once, and it wasn't me, sadly, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that asked if he wrote to a muse or to a schedule, and he says, always to the muse. But fortunately, mm-hmm. the muse shows up every morning at 9 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Very convenient. And and I thought you might get a kick out of that because it sounds like that's what you did is you just slotted time and said, I'm going to use this mm-hmm. time. Some of it will be good. Some of it won't. But I'm going to make sure and get words on the paper every day. And I think to me that was the most important. And I didn't allow myself to reread what I was writing until I had put the final period in because I didn't want to know and I didn't want, in case it wasn't good, I didn't want that to discourage me from keeping going. Well, yeah, because if you if you go through a section that's that's uh, uh, maybe a little horrible, um, mm-hmm. you might you might start writing the book all over again. Yeah, or now, how many times do you want to write a book? 
<laughs> not not the same one over and over. That doesn't sound like a fun uh, <laughs> fun project. On other topics, yes. Um, when you're when you're writing, do you have mm-hmm. an outline in in mind, or or does the story just start coming out and and almost like it's telling itself? Yeah, I think I knew exactly how I wanted the book to start, and I knew how I wanted it to end. Almost immediately I had that last sentence that I knew this is how I wanted to finish the book. I kind of had a a base outline for the last chapter, and I knew kind of the arc vaguely of how I wanted the story to go. But really, as I was writing, I was getting to know the characters and their voice and how they see the world. And I really let that guide a lot of the book because I didn't want to be so fixed. I really wanted to get to know each character and really try to understand. And and I knew where I wanted them to go and so kind of gently leading the book in that direction. But for me, it was so helpful to really let the characters tell the story. And in this particular story, um, well, before I get to that, um, let me Mm -hmm. ask you this. I ask a lot of writers this, and it's kind of a chicken and the egg question. Which comes (laughs) first, the story or the characters? Do you have an idea for a story and then you cast the characters into it? Or do you have characters and then think, geez, what would happen to these people? Mm -hmm. I think that... Both. I think for me, I knew exactly who Eleanor, the main character of this book, was, and I knew her story, Um, and it kind of was, because of who she is, her story is what it is. I don't know for future books if it'll always be that clear, but I think in this particular story, they went so hand-in-hand that it kind of, the chicken and the egg happened at the same moment. I don't think that that will always be the case. I think in general, I think of the story and then it's easier for me to place characters in the story but Eleanor came along with the story now you said future books does that Mm -hmm. mean you've got the bug oh 100% yes (laughs) (laughs) so we're going to see see more books now what I was going to bring up was I was sort of uh, poking around online. I wasn't stalking you exactly, but I was trying (laughs) to find out a little bit about you. And I came Uh across the title, Olivia Starts a Band. (laughs) Are you familiar with that? Nobody would want to listen to that. Are you familiar with that? I'm not. Is it another book? I think it is. I thought it was. Oh, that's incredible! I thought it. I thought you were. You know, it. I thought you. At first, my first reaction was that you were. Um, I don't know. Uh, deep into a starts a band series. Oh no! <laughs> um, no, and Olivia, me, the person will never be in a band because I might be the least musical person that that anyone has met. <laughs> so. <laughs> More with debut novelist Olivia Swindler straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-Double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places. So be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. 
from Alicia, Elena, Gabriella, Erica, and the Tom Sumner Program. This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with debut novelist Olivia Swindler straight ahead. Based on what you just said, Olivia, about being the least musical person, mm-hmm. why why were you um, interested in, in a character that was the lead singer in a really successful band before going through some re-examination mm-hmm. and rediscovery and so on? I have always been so fascinated by the world of music and the music industry and I love music um and so it it like burdens and hurts my heart so deeply that I will never be able to be and even like a bar band like that is never in my future and so it was a great opportunity for me to kind of live out that that dream and really get nerdy and research a lot and and really understand that world in a deeper way. It was a great excuse for me to to get to dive into the world that I will probably never know for myself. Now you so just, I wrote it as a fan of music. <laughs> now, you just said something that was, you know, mildly offensive, but I'm not that easily offended. You said uh, even just a bar band. And I spent, oh. I spent years in bar bands. But... <laughs> But I want to ask you about the nerdy research part. When you're researching uh-huh. music and somebody who's mm-hmm. playing music professionally, how mm-hmm. do you how do you do that? What are the questions that you have, and and what are the answers you found for questions you didn't even know you had? Oh man, I think it was one of those topics that the more I googled, the more I realized I didn't know anything, and I think. That's my favorite type of research is really to realize, oh, my gosh, there's so much to this world and the industry. And so I think my questions were started out super basic. Well, I started by trying to figure out, like, what does a tour schedule look like and how do you put together a tour schedule? But, again, I wrote this book during the pandemic, and so as I was Googling... Nobody was touring. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, oh, unfortunately, all of our dates have been canceled, so... That was a little bit difficult. Um, so then I would look on Wikipedia. A lot of bands have their um, have their previous tours uh, listed, and so it was really like down the Wikipedia rabbit hole because I would, you know, be looking at a band's tour, and then there's always something exciting that happens on a tour, and, and I just got deeper and deeper into into some of these different. Um, experiences and so it was fascinating and all of the details to go into planning and the prep work it's really incredible now the the character eleanor quinn is uh, Mm -hmm. an extremely successful lead singer in a in a popular band and Mm -hmm. and apparently dating the most beautiful man in america Mm -hmm. um which you know is is that a a, uh, bucket list item for you? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I think that was just, um, I was trying to, to make her world kind of as glamorous as possible. And as I was doing my research and reading a lot of 
you know, headlines from tabloids. Sure. Those are kind of often monikers that get tagged on to people. And so I was just trying to make her in as much of that world as possible. I have zero desire to um, live the life that Eleanor has lived um, and marry the most or date the most beautiful man in America. That's not necessarily something that I feel I have to accomplish. Well, it's it's described as a life that most could only dream of. And mm-hmm. I just and I just wonder with your love of music if if some of the trappings weren't sort of appealing to you as well. But let me let me mm-hmm. ask you this, um, and and I don't want to bump into any spoiler alerts. But is there <laughs> is there an event that sends Eleanor home to start over? There is, and this is not um, really a spoiler because this happens in the first. A uh, couple of chapters, but okay. she, um, like it, like you said, she's dating the most beautiful man in America, who's also her bandmate. And um, in that relationship, it's a fake relationship, which that is also said at the, in the first chapter. That's not a spoiler. And at one of their concerts, he proposes to her, and in her mind, this is still a fake relationship. They're doing it for press, and she does not want to get married or be engaged to him and so that is kind of her moment where it's a breaking moment where she realizes that she needs to get out of this relationship and the only thing to do in her mind is to leave and she heads back to um to her home which is where seattle Seattle. so she goes Seattle. She doesn't actually go home because, so the band is called um, Catanning, which is a little teeny, teeny town outside of Pittsburgh, um, which is actually very close to where my family is from. And so she couldn't go there because it's such a small, tight-knit community, and that's where the rest of the band comes from. So she decides instead to go to Seattle, which is where um, one of her cousins lives. Now, sending her back to Seattle, and, mm-hmm. and that's fairly close to where you grew up in, in Spokane, yes. mm-hmm. was there a little element of Olivia being homesick during the pandemic? I think definitely. I think um, there was a there's a big theme about finding home in this book, and I think during the pandemic I was quarantined away from my family and a lot of my friends and so that was really it was kind of like bittersweet nostalgia to get to think about all of these places that I love I went to Seattle frequently and so I in the book there's a couple mentions of like ice cream places that I really like or like a good restaurant and I think it was really helpful in my nostalgia to get to include those pieces did Starbucks make it in (laughs) <laughs> I don't. I don't think that. Sorry, actually, yes, I think Starbucks does make it in. Although that's not my favorite coffee place in Seattle. <laughs> well, it's just it's just so well known that it was yes started in Seattle. I, I just wondered yes. if it if it at least got a hat tip along the yes, way. Yes, it does. It does. Yes, because I think it's very hard to think about Seattle culture without thinking about. Um, Starbucks and actually when I moved to Grenoble we didn't have a Starbucks and I just remember feeling oh my gosh <laughs> what am I going to do there's not even a Starbucks in this city and then 
six months later, there was a Starbucks, and I went there like six in the morning with my Washington T-shirt and said, oh, now this is actually home. There's a Starbucks. Oh, that's funny. The, the, the title of the book, Cynthia Starts a Band. Starting a band mm-hmm. is, is a very specialized project. And, mm-hmm. and and I want to ask you a little bit about how you how you research that and how you put that mm-hmm. uh, that together. But but I also wanted to share. I, I think it was a comedian I saw once talking about uh, um, rock and rollers, and and he said uh, something about um, oh it it was uh, he said something about. Um, all all the rock and roll songs are all the same. Boy meets girl, <laughs> yes. girl dumps on boy, boy starts a rock band. And, <laughs> and I just I thought it was such a funny you know sequence That's of incredible. events. Incredible, yes. But but in this in this story, Eleanor decides to completely reinvent herself, and part mm-hmm. of the process back to some sort of normal is starting a mm-hmm. band, which is kind of interesting because that's what she's always known. But how do you, mm-hmm. if you haven't had the experience, as I have several times, because I played mm-hmm. music for a living for a number of years, how do, you, how do you get inside those people and the things that happen that, that pull a band together? Mm-hmm. I think when I think about a band, one of the biggest draws to me and one of the reasons why I lament so deeply that I will never be in a band is that sense of community and family. It really, from the outside and from what I've read and researched, it's a group of people who have a common goal and they get to share this passion and this love of something together. And I think it's so incredibly beautiful and profound to see different people working together to create something that is incredibly beautiful and impactful and can change somebody's life. And so I think when I think about bands, I think about that and just that sense of community, not even the community within the band members, but also with their audience and that connection as somebody who has gone to so many concerts and listened to so much music, I think I really feel a deep connection with artists and bands that I've never met in person, but you just connect so deeply through the vulnerability of the music or seeing them on stage. And so I tried to capture that in the book and just this deep connection that happens when a band is formed. Yeah, there's, there is something kind of magical about once there's a group, whether it's a, a you know, power trio or, you know, a good-sized band with eight or ten members, backup singers mm-hmm. and horns and all that. There's there's something that happens when all of them unite in the zone. And, and it's mm-hmm. almost as if they start talking as one voice. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and it is a pretty I amazing totally thing, and that's and that's why I was asking how is as a writer, um, and dare I say, you know, kind of an outsider, how do you get in mm-hmm. there? I think, well, I will unfortunately probably never know the experience, but I think I read and listened to a lot of interviews of bands and um, 
and try to draw on that experience. I think it's, um, and I've had a couple of friends that have been involved in bands and really just listening and trying to capture that really profound um, emotion. I think what you said is so beautifully put that it's like they're singing as one voice. And I think you can tell as an audience member when that happens, or you can tell on the reverse end when you're seeing a group maybe that um, is not succinct in the same way. And so I was able to draw on that experience as well, the experience of seeing just that magic of music. And I think that helped as I tried to write and really capture from the outside what what it means, not just to the band members, but to the world as a whole. There's, uh, And I think you're right about if you really love music and you really appreciate music and and you really focused on music that's being performed, especially mm-hmm. in a live setting, mm-hmm. you can become part of that bubble. You know, you 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 can yeah. start to feel it that that same way. And uh, you know, when it comes to to being a fan of music or a music aficionado. Um, there's mm-hmm. a saying that I always thought was kind of amusing. You're not really a fan of the band if you don't know the bass player's name. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Cynthia starts a band, and and this mm-hmm. is a, a really fun idea of of mm-hmm. reinvention. And again, I'm I'm so nervous about trying to put you on the spot about any spoiler alerts but <laughs> but the process gets interrupted mm-hmm. i mean she has it some problems does. it's not as easy as just getting a bunch of band instruments in a in a garage or a basement somewhere or an old uh, vacant warehouse and knocking out tunes uh, there there's some mm-hmm. problems that get in the way there is and it's and the, the book is told in two perspectives. So there's the timeline before she leaves Katanning, and then there's the timeline um, after she leaves. And so I think it's important to have those two perspectives because the way that Katanning was formed, her original band, was just so, so um, serendipitous. It just fell together and... The way it worked, it was, you know, four friends from high school, and they had this connection. And and then when she leaves, she actually is fearful of of being found um, because she doesn't – she's run away, and she doesn't want the world to know where she is. And so she reinvents herself. And and, and she literally becomes a different person. Uh, you know, it, mm-hmm. she starts out as Eleanor Quinn, but she ends up being Cynthia. Mm-hmm. And I think that what I really appreciated about her as a character, and I think this is so true for humans, is these pieces of us who are, who what make us who we are, whether that's being musical or being a writer or an athlete, they, they stay with us even when we try to escape them. And so when she starts her life over in Seattle, she doesn't start, you know, necessarily with the goal of, of starting a new band. But that's just the way that it happens because it was something that is so innately in her soul that a name change or location change doesn't change the fact that in her core she 
is a musician and her there's a piece of her that always will long to be a part of of a group and of a band and i think that that's so profound because it is so true to people no matter if you're a musician or no matter where you find yourself in the world i think there are some pieces of us that are just who we are well, I think it's it's a fascinating idea for a book, and and I'm anxious for you to uh, to see what you're what you're going to do next. What what do you do? You have ideas? Have you made some notes on on what you might write next? I have, and well, again, thanks to France and a lockdown. <laughs> Um, I actually have finished another manuscript, and oh, wow. so I can't say too much about it, um, but it's in the editing phases. I'm going back through and editing it right now, so hopefully that will see um, the world soon, and it's still women's fiction, and but this one takes place in the world of sport. I actually studied sport management before I moved to France, and I am really, really interested and passionate about um, women working in in the athletic field. So this book focuses on on that. Oh, cool! So a different world, but still another fun. It was a fun, another fun topic for me to research. So that's definitely a theme. What can I? How can I sneak in as much research and and make it productive as possible? Oh, that's fun. I you know I I I thought for for a brief moment it might be Cynthia's band goes on tour. <laughs> <laughs> Cynthia hits the road. No, I think for right now, I think that I'm really happy with where her character is. But that's not to say that I will not revisit her or write something else in that world. But I'm really, I think it's a, I'm really happy. I don't want to spoil the ending, obviously. So no, I'm really no, happy no. with where she is. Yeah, and and uh, and I don't want you to spoil the ending for anybody. But the, um, but what I was getting at is, is um, a lot of times writers, and sometimes because of the deal they get with publishers, mm-hmm. um, end up committed to a trilogy or a series or or even a sequel. And mm-hmm. I, I just wondered if you, you know, wanted to do that kind of a thing, or or if you really want to. Um, do standalone books because you want to jump from topic to topic and, and because you are a glutton for research? <laughs> I think that at this point, because I've only written, I've only published one book, there's so much left to research. I think it would be hard for me to stay in one, in one, uh, like if it's just one series. I think it's so fun and I think it's so fascinating and really a privilege as writers, that we can do all of all of this research, and I think it's so exciting. And I think I just love to learn. And there's so much left that I would like to know. Well, Olivia, um, we're we're almost out of time, but I, I'm having so much fun talking with you. And and the book again is called Cynthia Starts a Band. It came out in paperback in October of 2021. It is uh, mm-hmm. Olivia Swindler's first novel, um, the first of many, it sounds like. And <laughs> uh, Olivia, I, I, I want to say thank you for sharing a little time and a little bit of the story with me and the listeners today. But I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Um, do you have mm-hmm. a website? 
I do. It's oliviaswindler.com. Well, that's easy. Hopefully, yes, I've tried. <laughs> you, you're lucky you didn't run into you didn't have to make it Olivia Swindler 273 or something. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I feel really fortunate. I don't think there's many other Olivia Swindlers in the world. So when I saw that I could have it, I said, yes, this is this is good. Well, as far as I'm concerned, there's only one Olivia Swindler in the world. And although the book is called Cynthia Starts a Band, Olivia Starts a Band is uh, is a hoax. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Olivia, thanks so much. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today. Take care. Bye. Once again, the book is uh, Cynthia Starts a Band, out in paperback as of October 2021. And uh, my guest was Olivia Swindler. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program. <laughs> Jing 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 Joe Bye from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination? 
a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is... This is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the back. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. TomSumnerProgram.com
from Haley, Alex, Alexis, help! And the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Ladies and gentlemen, in Philip Rapp's creation, the Bickersons. It's Christmas Eve, and the Bickersons have not retired. Mrs. Bickerson is busy wrapping presents in the bedroom while husband John, exhausted as he is from the pre-holiday activity, puts the finishing touches to the tree, which stands proudly in the kitchen, the only other room in the Bickerson's small apartment. Listen. John? John? Will you bring the scissors, please? John? What is he doing in there? Oh, no. How can a man fall asleep on a ladder? Oh, I haven't got the heart to wake him. Oh, I'd better get him off of there. John? John! Oh, ow. What's, the, what's the matter, Blanche? What happened, huh? Oh, you poor dear. Did you hurt yourself? No, uh, no, I'm all right. How did I fall off that ladder? I must have fainted. Yes, dear, you were fainting like a log when I came in. Why, John? What? You never even touched your dinner. Not a morsel of it. I don't like the looks of it, Blanche. Oh, stop that talk. It's perfectly good food. You let it sit there on the kitchen table for hours getting cold. You want me to warm it up for you? No, just tell me what's on that big plate. Are you trying to be funny, John? I'm not trying to be funny, Blanche. What is it? You know very well I can only cook two things. Liver and rice pudding. Well, which one is that? How can you be so nasty on Christmas Eve, John? Blanche, I just asked you a civil question, that's all. I didn't think it was liver because your liver always looks like rubber heels. That stuff looks more like scrambled eggs, so I thought it might be rice pudding. Well, why don't you taste it and find out? I'm not hungry. That's why you're always tired, John. You don't eat enough. I eat plenty. Well, what did you have for lunch today? Well, you ought to know. You packed it for me. And listen, Blanche. I'm getting sick of carrying my lunch to the office in paper sacks. Why can't I go to a restaurant like the other fellas? John, what are you talking about? I haven't fixed your lunch for two years. Oh, Blanche, every morning of my life I find my lunch wrapped in brown paper on the side of the sink. Lunch? That's the kitchen scraps. How do you like that? No wonder I never have an appetite. Why do you do that to me, Blanche? Go on. Eat some dinner and finish trimming the tree. I don't want any dinner. I want to go to sleep. Aren't you going to finish the tree? I can do it in the morning. But, John, tomorrow morning is Christmas Day. I expect a lot of people to drop in. The butcher's coming, and the milkman is coming, and the... Listen, Blanche, I can't afford to give those guys presents. Why did you invite them over? I didn't invite them. They're coming here to collect their bills. Bills? What bills? I gave you money for the bills. Well, I had to buy presents, didn't I? My sister Clara sent me a package, and I had to get her something in return. No, you didn't. Nobody asked her to send you anything. Well, she did just the same. So, 
I bought her a bottle of perfume. How much was that? $24. $24? Why, nobody can carry that much perfume. It, it was only an ounce, silly. It's the latest perfume. Very daring. It's called Perhaps. Perhaps? For $24, you should get Positively. Don't be so crabby, John. We're not going to fight on Christmas Eve, no matter what happens. Remember, you promised. Okay. I'm not even going to get mad because you didn't send me a Christmas card. I did send you a Christmas card. It isn't necessary to make excuses or alibis, John. I'm going to forget it entirely. I don't have to make excuses. I did send you a Christmas card. I mailed it five days ago. John, you, you promised you wouldn't shout. Well, then, why are you goading me like this? You know I wouldn't say I sent you a Christmas card unless I had. I never received it. Well, then it got lost in the mail. <sighs> possible. Thank heaven. All the other cards came in. That doesn't mean anything. One card can get lost, can't it? If you sent it. I did send it. I swear I sent it. Had a wonderful poem on it, a beautiful picture. It was trimmed with lace. Cost me a buck. All right, John. Well, you don't believe me? Let's not discuss it anymore. Okay. But I hope you don't forget to send one next year. <sighs> What's the use? All right, so I didn't send you a card. That's all. Why didn't you just admit it before? There was nothing to admit. I just said I didn't send it to end the argument, but I really sent it. What did it say on it? Um, it said, uh, Merry Christmas to my love. That could be anybody. Let me finish. It said, Merry Christmas to my love, my wife, my life, my turtle dove. Life with you is great, it seems. I love you more than pork and beans. You're only adding insult to injury, John. Well, how do I know what it said? I can't remember what... What's that laying on top of the newspaper? There it is. There's my card. Oh, so it is. See, you didn't have to get so excited after all. Oh, thank you, darling. It's a lovely card. Wear it in good health. Well, let's open the presents and then go to sleep. Well, how could you, John? You know we never open presents until Christmas morning. Besides, you haven't finished trimming the tree. All it needs is a string of lights. One of the bulbs is blown. That kills the whole string. Well, can't you buy a bulb? The stores aren't open now. What time is it? Five past twelve. Well, that's good. It's Christmas Day. Let's open presents. You didn't even hang up your stocking. I haven't got one that would hold anything. They look like lace curtains. Come on, let's open the presents, Blanche. Come on, huh? Oh, all right. Say we haven't got very many this year, have we? Oh, who's this from? That's from Leo Goosby. It's amazing how you went to the one shaped like a bottle. Oh? Oh, is that what it is? I hope it's good stuff. Ah, mm, that's not bad at all. John, that's shampoo. Shampoo? Why, that chiseler, two-bit Leo? What do I want with a bottle of shampoo? And to think, I threw out 39 cents on a tie for him. What have you got there? It's another present for you. Oh, it's from your boss. No kidding. Gee, that's a big one. Oh, what is it, Blanche? A five-gallon can of lighter fluid. Well, that's fine. That's just what I need. I don't even own a lighter. Well, don't feel too bad, John. Maybe you can exchange it for something else. Last year, he sent me a bowling ball case. He must get these things in a rummage sale. I never heard of such presents. Here's one for me, from Louise Shaw. Shoot, bet that's a dilly. Oh, Louise always sends something nice. Not expensive, but it usually comes in handy. Well, look at that. What is it? It's a polo score pad. Isn't that nice? That'll sure come in handy. 
Honest, Blanche, you've got the weirdest collection of friends. Is there anything else? Just our presents to each other. Why don't you look at what I got you first, and then you can show me what you got me. Now, close your eyes. I'll unveil it. All right. I hope you didn't spend too much, dear. I don't really want anything. Open your eyes. Blanche. Oh, Blanche, darling. That way, that's beautiful. That's a dream. A portable bar with a brass rail. Don't you think a kiss is in order, John? Oh, a million kisses. Well, stop <laughs> kissing the bar. I, I meant a kiss for me. Oh, I'm sorry, darling. It's it's just too good to be true. Oh, you're wonderful. Uh, Blanche, that must have cost a fortune. Now, John, don't get angry, but I sold my fur coat. You you sold your fur coat? I wanted you to have the bar, and I didn't have the money. You sold your coat, that beautiful fur coat that you bought yourself for my birthday, that gorgeous bald mink? I got $75 for it. The bar cost 85 Oh, Blanche, you sh- never should have sold that bald mink. It doesn't matter. I have a cloth coat, and I never get cold. Yeah, but you don't understand. Um, Open the present I got for you. I can't wait, John. Oh, a muff. A fur muff. Genuine plucked skunk. I had it made special to match that coat. It can hold two full quarts, and you sold the coat. Oh, well, what's the difference, darling? Someday you'll make a lot of money. And then you'll be able to get a coat that'll match the muff. (laughs) I'm very happy, John. I know, but... uh, And you still have the gorgeous bar. That's just it. What's the matter? I sold all my bourbon to pay for the muff. That's great, isn't it? What a break for both of us. I think it's wonderful, John. What do you mean, Blanche? I've never been so happy in my life. We've both made a sacrifice... And that's worth more than all the gold and precious jewels in the world. Just to know that you gave up a prized possession is proof enough that you love me. I've always loved you, Blanche. I may holler and rant and act like a first-class crumb sometimes, but you never doubted that I loved you, did you? No, John. It's been seven years, honey, most of it uphill. I haven't showered you with diamonds or bought any yachts, but I try not to deny you anything. I suppose you have your little faults, what woman hasn't, or what man either, for that matter. We're both pretty sensitive people. Maybe that's why we beef so much. Still, I don't think we're any worse than any other married couple. At least we have a safety valve, and we can let off steam. Some of the others just carry it inside until the break comes. No, Blanche, I like it this way, and I love you more than anything on earth. John. Hey, hey, cut that out. I'll prove how much I love you. Where is that liver or rice pudding or whatever it is you made? (laughs) It's liver. I'll eat every bit of it if it kills me. Let's go. Merry Christmas, darling. Merry Christmas. Good night, John. You pilots, get off of my lawn! We're trying to do a radio show down here! It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on! Go on, get out of here!